In fact, Marissa, I will make a bold statement saying that estrogen dominance is the easiest of all the hormonal imbalances to reverse. And I say this as a woman who has got all the genetic mutations. I've got the CBS mutations, got the COMPT mutation, double. So this is like double whammies, right? I have MTHFR mutations. And so it makes me a perfect candidate for being terrible estrogen metabolizer. Yet knowing what to do, and we can talk about the solutions in a second, you can completely and absolutely control it and reverse it. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Today, we are diving into how to use food to rebalance your hormones. Did you know that you can heal your hormonal imbalance with food? This is something that I finally discovered about 14 years ago. Now, many years ago when I was on my nutrition journey, I also learned that food is medicine and that whole foods have incredible benefits for our bodies, including how our hormones function on a day-to-day basis. Choosing what food we put into our bodies is the one thing that we do every day that we have control over. And those choices can help you feel happier and healthier in a multitude of ways. Food is not only medicine, but it's also information. And if you're like me, I didn't figure this out until my mid-20s. Growing up in the midst of my hormone chaos, I had no idea that those frozen lean cuisines, diet cokes, and power bars were actually not real food. No wonder my body was rebelling against me day after day. And no wonder I felt so tired all the time. My body and brain were literally starving for actual nutrients to drive those important chemical pathways that made my cells function. Now it was changing my diet that changed everything for me. I finally had seen the light. Focusing on whole foods for each meal was transformational. I remember when I discovered green smoothies. Now, I discovered them several years ago by my good friend, the Green Smoothie Girl, and I decided to do a 30-day green smoothie challenge. Now, halfway through that green smoothie challenge, I already noticed more energy, my digestive system was working like a smooth operator, and my skin and hair looked so healthy. I remember in the middle of that challenge that I was getting compliments every day, left and right, about how I looked. I was glowing because of all of this great, amazing food that I was eating every single day in my green smoothies. So it's time to talk about how food can begin to balance your hormones more naturally. I touched upon this myself in episode number seven, in case you want to go and take a look and listen on that. But I wanted to bring a good friend, Magdalena. Magdalena has taught thousands of women to cook for hormone balance, which I think is so key and critical. I mean, cooking, we can control what is being served. I mean, there's so many wonderful benefits to actually cooking for our health. Now, before I bring Magdalena onto the show, I want to quickly sing her praises. Magdalena Zavaki is the founder of the popular Hormones Balance online community. She is a holistic nutrition coach, and she knows firsthand how food can heal hormonal issues. Developing hypothyroidism and then Hajimoto's adrenal fatigue and estrogen dominance, Magdalena was propelled to leave her high-pressure advertising career and develop a new way of eating that would repair and keep her hormones working smoothly. 
Now that she's symptom-free, Magdalena shares practical and proven knowledge so other women may benefit. In her Cooking for Hormone Balance program and book, she draws on current research to explain the essential role food plays in keeping our hormones in harmony and offers easy, flavorful, and delicious recipes so that we can eat our way to good health. You can find her at hormonesbalance.com. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Magdalena Shalaki. It's so wonderful to have you here. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here, Marisa. And I am excited that we are diving into a topic that you and I both love, and that is hormones. But specifically, you are my go-to food hormone expert. And what we're going to dive into today is how to use food, which is probably the most powerful medicine we have, to rebalance our hormones. Yeah, let's do that. I don't think it's a very common assumption that food can be used to rebalance our hormones. I think for most women, we've been conditioned it's either genetics or you're going to do birth control pills or the best case, you're going to get on thyroid medication or get some progesterone cream. And not often do we actually realize that food can play a huge role in rebalancing our hormones as you would discover. Absolutely. And you have learned that through your own personal journey. And I would love to hear, I know everyone would love to hear a little bit about your journey and what led you to this amazing passion and not only passion, but serving thousands and thousands of women over the years. Yeah. So, you know, I'm one of those practitioners who had gone through hell and back. And today as a 45-year-old woman, I feel better than I felt when I was 25. But it all came with quite a bit of work, right? And you read on my profile about having Hashimoto's disease and, and then having estrogen dominance and a total adrenal burnout in my early 30s. The interesting thing is today, I know that when you look at functional medicine, you realize that it really starts a much earlier age. And I think it all started with my case, the fact that I was not a breastfed baby. My mom bought into this whole 1970s belief that formula is more nutritious than mother's milk. And so I had food sensitivities right from the beginning, right? And today we know that children that are not breastfed do not get the same bacterial flora as children that were breastfed. And so these gut bacteria make a huge difference, right, in how our digestion will function. And so I've been plagued by food sensitivities forever. And as a young kid, it will manifest in the form of terrible eczemas, ear infections. And, you know, and then later when I went into my early adulthood, it was more than it evolved. Like a lot of times food sensitivities evolve to cystic acne, terrible PMSs, constant migraines, candidized infections. So I had a lot of UTIs, always vaginal infections, discharges, you know, that kind of stuff. That's why sometimes when I think about it when I was 25, I'm like, I was such a mess. You know, when you when you realize these things. And, and it was it funny when you go through that, you you kind of accept it. But the turning point for me was this little piece of content just popped out one day in Yahoo search, you know. There's this article that popped out that said, why is it that children in Papua New Guinea do not have zits? And I thought, wow, that's fascinating. And this woman wrote this article, having done research, and she said, because they don't eat gluten and processed foods. And I thought, wow, that's really fascinating. You know, and as a 25-year-old woman, I was covered in cystic acne all over, and not just my face, but my back, my friend. And you probably are surprised to hear this, right? Because you know me today, and I don't get it. I don't have any zits whatsoever. So it was that moment when I decided to cut out gluten and it really helped, not entirely, but somewhat. And then I got a food sensitivity panel done, which mind you, you know, back then you're talking about 20 years ago, 
back then to do a food sensitivity panel and I was living in Asia, this costed me like equivalent to like four or $5,000 today, you know, but I needed to do it. And I cut out the sensitive foods and that really cleared out my skin. My PMS is subsided. The ear infection stopped appearing. My headaches disappeared, which was a big win. So this is where really when I started believing in the power of food. Unfortunately, where things kind of went a little bit crazy was when I got a big job promotion. I moved to Asia and I lived between Hong Kong and Shanghai. And it was very intense four years of living on planes and living off hotel food, you know, but also living in a highly toxic place called China. And you don't really know what what you're putting in your body. So the combination of stress, being in the toxic environment, working with incredibly demanding clients, you know, I worked on Fortune 100 brands, which was very rewarding, but it was also, you know, those kind of clients that will ask you to work over the weekend to see everything on Monday morning, right? So I think a combination of the toxicity, stress, and not being as diligent with food as I should have been, that all of that caused a total flare up. And I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's in 2008. And my intuition was telling me something needs to change in order to find an improvement. And I really felt that it was so drastic. I mean, I became such a different person. Hashimoto's in my case manifested in the form of anxiety attacks. I was getting depression, which I had never had in my life ever before. I didn't even understand what depression really meant. I couldn't understand why I couldn't get out of bed in the morning, why I needed two cups of coffee to get me going. But also my moods tanked. I became really bitter, really bitchy. Like I said, I was not recognizing myself. So I quit my job, moved to the United States, went to nutrition school and set up my practice soon after that. And, you know, I've been doing this for a decade now. And that's part of the reason why I'm passionate about it is because I'm, I was never an easy patient. I had a lot of stuff to deal with to fix my digestion, which was, which we, I hope we can get to talk about that, how important the digestion is for the health of your hormones. But that was really the the biggest piece that took me probably the longest time of dealing with various parasite infections, bacterial infections. You know, I had everything from SIBO to H. pylori. And if our listeners don't know what that is, it's just infections you need to clear in order to get well. So yeah, so, you know, like I said, I'm 45 today and I feel absolutely amazing. (laughs) Listening to that journey and talk about a health journey, the big thing that I take away from listening to that is anyone listening is going to learn that you could be dealing with a lot going on in your body and there is a way to heal. I mean, what hope that we all have that you can really get to the root cause of it. Even especially Magdalena, when you were really figuring this out during a time where there wasn't a lot of research, not necessarily research, but just wasn't a lot of practitioners diving into it at the time. So I think that that is huge. And I would love to get into the digestive aspect of it because I think people oftentimes think that our digestive health has no correlation to our Mm. hormone health. And I'm really excited to dispel that myth (laughs) or dispel that misunderstanding that there isn't a direct connection. And so when you were beginning to clearing out all of the infections, clearing out what was going on, was that kind of the final, in the sense, that final step? What were some of the big benefits that happened for you when you began to really clear that out? Well, I think, you know, the biggest thing is the reduction of food sensitivity. So over the years, I'm very well aware that my body doesn't do very well with gluten, dairy, eggs remain a questionable food for me. And then about three years ago, I developed a sensitivity to oxalate. So those are these little, it's it's a compound that will deposit itself in the form of crystals in the body. 
and different women have different conditions, you know, from oxalates, but basically like things like vulvodynia or burning in the vagina or having very sharp pains around the body, especially in the place of all the injuries. For some people, it's kidney stones. So I was in the midst of writing my cookbook, right? And here I was like not being able to eat food high in oxalates, which is so many of the really great foods like cacao and all the grains and seeds and nuts are all super high, right? I had to cut everything out. It came to a point I was testing my recipes in the, for the cookbook and I had to spit them out. So I was tasting, but I couldn't swallow them because it would make me so sick. And so a lot of times the advice of a lot of Facebook groups for better or for worse, some practitioners is avoidance, a, a total elimination. And I agree with that. That's an important piece in terms of just to offload the inflammation in the overall body. But it's not a very sustainable way of living. I mean, imagine, right? If I had to stay away from 40 different foods, some of them are some of the healthiest foods on this planet in terms of nutrition density, that's not a way to go. And so I worked with a very talented functional doc to clear out all the infections I had. So in my case, it was SIBO, it was H. pylori, and I had a couple of other pathogenic bacteria that we managed to find out. And, and by clearing those, the food sensitivities went away. And that was a huge win. In terms of how it manifested in my hormones, you know, I felt like my body is dealing with estrogen much better. So if you want, Marisa, we can talk a little bit about estrogen dominance. I'm really passionate about this imbalance because it's something that I feel like most women have it. And yet majority of the women have no idea that that's what it is. And you're actually dealing with estrogen dominance. But I just want to say one more thing that I have all the genetic mutations for being a terrible estrogen metabolizer, which I am. And that is also makes me a perfect candidate for estrogen receptor positive breast cancer, for uterine cancer, for ovarian cancer, for breast, uh, for also for thyroid cancer and thyroid nodules, right? And I did have thyroid nodules in the past when I was in my 30s. They're all gone now, needless to say. So fixing the gut has helped me a lot with how my body clears estrogens, the really bad estrogens, the harmful ones. And most importantly, you know, I can eat pretty much everything now. I'll be honest. I mean, if I eat more than three eggs a week, it will show up on my skin, right? If I eat gluten, I avoid it as much as I can. But if I do eat a little bit too much, I do feel tired. But it's nowhere close to what it used to be in terms of the response. And I can eat oxalates as much as I want. So all these beautiful foods, you know, the chocolates and the seeds and nuts and grains, without having any pain that I experienced in the past. So huge change and, you know, very liberating. I mean, it's freedom, right? Apart from having your hormones working well. Well, and I think that's super important that you bring this to light, right? That a lot of people are being told they have to avoid, avoid, avoid. But really, I mean, there's a core root to what is going on in the body and figuring out what that is. I do want to get into estrogen dominance. Interesting, I was on formula when I was a little baby. I was born in the 70s too, girl. You know, I ate a lot of foods that I shouldn't have had when I was younger. I was definitely in that allopathic 80s Pop-Tarts, cornflakes world in America. I always tell people I come from this legacy of hormone chaos. I mean, I watched it with my grandmother. I watched it with my mom. I, my sister and I were full in. And in my late 20s, and early 30s, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I originally only thought it was adrenal issues and, and come to find out that I was dealing with a lot more than that, including estrogen dominance. And I will tell you that I'm always riding the line if I don't take care of myself. And it's really about the stress for me. I can easily tip the scale back over. And so I know that a lot of women have no idea when they're tipping the scale there. It just feels like par for the course that they're trying to get through the obligations of their day. So tell us a little bit about 
One, what is estrogen dominance? And then what are some things that we can do, particularly, again, this is about food today, that we can do to get out of that, that danger zone? Absolutely. So let's start off with symptoms first. You know, it could be anything from very common symptoms that almost every woman is experiencing and we kind of get used to it. So things like PMS, for example, right? Storing fat around our hips is actually kind of really interesting. Where the body deposits fat tells you potentially what is the hormonal imbalance that's going on. So in the case of estrogen dominance, that stubborn fat you have on your butt and your thighs that wouldn't go away, that often is due to estrogen dominance. And then things like water retention, right? So around that time of your period, irregular period, spotting in between your cycle in mid-cycle. Hair loss can be due to estrogen dominance. But more serious stuff, things like fibroids, endometriosis, something that a lot of women do not have a lot of awareness about and doctors don't really tell you the specific estrogen metabolites that can make that growth of the malignant tissue happen. Something I'm really passionate about is estrogen receptor positive breast cancer, which we talk so much about awareness about breast cancer. I think we, as women, we've heard enough about awareness. We all aware it's time to take action, but nobody really talks about prevention. You know, nobody talks about what are the, some of the natural solutions other than things like super invasive stuff like tamoxifen, right? Which is an estrogen blocker, but you know, it's only given to women for five to seven years because after that it ruins your liver. That's why doctors have to stop it. And yet there are natural solutions that we can talk about that you can use as natural estrogen blockers, which is kind of amazing. But also interestingly, things like thyroid nodules, thyroid cancer, lung cancer in women who are non-smokers, uterine, as well as ovarian cancers are all estrogenic cancers on the most part. Well, not to mention infertility, of course, miscarriages in the first trimester, oftentimes it's just too much estrogen, too little progesterone. So those are, you know, some of the big ones. Also, uh, one more thing I may not forget is uh, gallstones. You know, estrogen can be the cause of having gallstone, which so many women very liberally, their doctors will say, uh, you know, it's, uh, you just got so many gallstones, they just remove the damn thing. And then boom, your gallbladder goes, right? As if it was like this useless organ. And women's life is never the same after removal of a gallbladder and hormonally speaking as well. So the first way estrogen dominance can happen is estrogens get broken down to different metabolites. And these metabolites can be either protective and really good for us, or they can be very harmful and causing the growth of the malignant tissue that I described, you know, or they make you throw your metabolism out of whack, or they make you lose hair, whatever, right? So the fascinating thing about that is that these estrogens get broken down in the gut and in our liver to these metabolites, right? And just by supporting your digestion, like the way I talked about how I got rid of a lot of these food sensitivities and the infections in my gut, right? Change the diet. That can hugely help you skew the balance towards the protective metabolites, how this broken down, right? And away from the harmful ones. That's the first one. The second thing that can happen is the ratio of estrogen and specifically estradiol, which tends to be the more aggressive form of estrogen. The ratio between progesterone and estradiol is in favor of estradiol, which you basically have too much of it, an insufficient amount of progesterone. So you know, you know, Marisa, how you said that when you get stressed out, that's what throws off your hormones, mm-hmm. right? Potentially, I mean, whether it's you or whether it's, everybody has a different tendency of expressing hormones, right? You know, different hormones go out of whack depending on what we do. Stress is a very common one. And the reason why that happens is because when you're stressed out, you're producing excessive amounts of cortisol, right? To help your, which is your stress hormone that helps you deal, cope with stress. It increases your blood pressure, your sugar levels, right? You're more alert. You're ready for dealing with a crisis. But this happens at an expense 
biologically speaking, this is, this is a phenomenon called pregnenolone steal. So like a one-minute biology class here, progesterone and cortisol both are produced from the same hormone called pregnenolone. It's also known as the mother hormone, right? So imagine pregnenolone now will get broken down into some of it goes into the production of cortisol, some of it goes into production of progesterone. For women who are very stressed out, the body as a natural way of helping you survive the moment, right, will pump out all the pregnenolone towards cortisol production to help you deal with the stress, but it will deprive you of progesterone. And progesterone is your hormone that makes you feel calm, grounded, helps you sleep well, helps you get pregnant, of course, helps you to hold on to a pregnancy. It stops estrogen from doing damage. So for example, women with a lot of fibroids, endometriosis can benefit a lot very quickly when they add progesterone or they stop stressing out because your body produces its own progesterone, right? It, it happens in the corpium luteum, we call it. And you can do specific things. We can talk about that later if you like. We can do specific things nutritionally to support the production of progesterone. There's no progesterone in any food that you can take per se, but you can change your diet in a way that supports the body and natural production of progesterone. For example, if you've lost your uterus, then it's always a good idea to add a progesterone cream. So back to the estrogen dominant scenario, you basically have too little progesterone, too much of estrogen going on. And this is why we have all these symptoms. And I have to tell you, I was invited to this endometriosis Facebook group, right? And I left it after a couple of days because I just couldn't stand that there's just this strong belief that not, absolutely nothing can be done about it. And I wanted to scream. And, and I posted a couple of things suggesting about food can play a big difference in this. And it seemed to be falling on deaf ears. So I think it's like what you said at the beginning of the podcast is we're here to empower people. And as I find that women who are truly believe that things can happen. They don't fall into the, you know, the mentality of victimhood. You can absolutely and completely reverse estrogen dominance. In fact, Marissa, I will make a bold statement saying that estrogen dominance is the easiest of all the hormonal imbalances to reverse. And I say this as a woman who has got all the genetic mutations. I've got the CBS mutations, I've got the COMPT mutation, double. So this is like double whammies, right? I have MTHFR mutations. And so it makes me a perfect candidate for being terrible estrogen metabolizer. Yet, knowing what to do, and we can talk about the solutions in a second, you can completely and absolutely control it and reverse it. And I absolutely agree with you as well that there's a lot of solutions and women get out of estrogen dominance all of the time. It's one of the hormone issues that I feel like we struggle with the most, but if you're diligent about it, you can absolutely go in and reverse it. So let's talk a little bit about those solutions. I know there's a lot of women wondering it sounds like something I'm dealing with, right? You named off a lot mm -hmm. of symptoms that many of us can relate to, but then how do we begin to chip away and get back to normal? Yeah, so my favorite thing to use is flaxseed. And it is an interesting food, right? Because it contains natural estrogens. We call it phytoestrogens. Mm -hmm. And a lot of women are absolutely terrified by flaxseed saying, well, I'm already estrogen dominant. Why on earth would I be adding more estrogen to my body? Which is a very valid question and concern. Here is that little nuance when it comes to nutritional biochemistry, right, which we need to respect, that it's a gross oversimplification. And the reason why I say that is because, first of all, let's not demonize estrogen here because you need estrogen in order to function properly, right? Mm -hmm. Now, you need the right kind of estrogen, and this is exactly what flaxseed brings in. It brings a good, clean estrogen that is super beneficial. But more importantly, it's got three other properties I absolutely love about it. And that's why I see incredible results for women who incorporate it. 
Number one is that it helps to skew the balance between, you know how I talked about the metabolites, some of them, when estrogen gets broken down, some of them are harmful, some of them are protective. Well, guess what? Flaxseed, and there's actual studies that I'm quoting that in my book as well. My publisher was very particular about it. She's like, you know, it's a very big statement. We've got to back it up. So I've got research showing how estrogen actually helps you to skew the balance towards the protective estrogens and not away from the harmful ones. And that can result in women immediately getting far less PMSs, the periods returning, the fibroids were getting reduced, their butt <laughs> fat going down, right? Cellulite reducing, just incredible changes. The second thing I like about flaxseed is the fact that it's full of both soluble and insoluble fiber. Something that we don't have a lot of time to talk about today is the details of why the digestion is so important. But let me just mention one thing. You've got to be regular in your bowel movement, right? In your bathroom habits in order to have a good, healthy hormonal balance. Constipation causes all these hormones, not to mention all these other toxins, to re-enter your body. And that creates a lot of havoc and inflammation. So having a really solid, good bowel movement every day, you feel emptied. It's not loose. You're not constipated. It's not aided, per se, like with any laxatives. And flaxseed is just a wonderful, that insoluble fiber just sweeps the colon, right, and gets everything out. And the third reason why I love flaxseed is because it's full of alpha-lipoic acid, and that's full of omega-3s, which is very anti-inflammatory. Most women who have special estrogen dominance, estrogen is, by the way, an inflammatory hormone when it's in excess, and so is the omega-3 that just calms the body down. So who would have thought, right, that little flaxseed like that... <laughs> can be such a little powerhouse. Yeah, such a win for people. And it's so easy to integrate. You know, I add it to our green smoothies every single day. There and there's a lot of ways to incorporate it. And my goodness, I know you have so many recipes in your book on how to incorporate this. Yeah, so should we talk about the seed rotation? Yeah, let's, do, let's get into that because that's a really wonderful and simple way to create balance. And I know that I love how you explain it. So let's jump on into that. Yeah, so first of all, your listeners have a gift of the seed rotation guide. So in case you're driving and you can't take notes right now, just download the guide and it explains in great detail of how to implement seed rotation, which I'm making it sound like it's rocket science implement. It really isn't. So a seed rotation is an idea of, first of all, it's something that can be used by both still menstruating women, women who are going through hell with, her, with their perimenopause, as well as women who are going through menopause. And the idea is that in the first part of the cycle, I'm talking here about a cycling woman. If, if you're in menopause, then you basically start it off anytime you want for a two-week period. Now, if you're still cycling, the first two weeks of your cycle, starting from day one is your period, the first two weeks or so is the first part of your cycle. You want to focus on helping your body produce sufficient estrogens. And in the second part of your cycle, right, so from ovulation to your period, this is when you want to switch the seeds over to progesterone-boosting seeds, and that's called the luteal phase. So what happens is really simple. Day one of your period, for the next two weeks, you want to do two tablespoons of ground flaxseed and ground pumpkin seeds added, like you said, to smoothies, soups, salads. You don't want to cook it. You want to have it raw. And another note on this, you want to freshly grind it. And I just really want to stress this because a lot of times people, for convenience, go and buy pre-ground flax meal. And that thing is, I mean, flaxseed gets oxidized really easily. The thing doesn't have the lignans, which, which is the bioactive compound in it. So just take the trouble and make your own every morning. Or I'm kind of lazy, so I pre-grind it for like five days worth and put it in the fridge. 
And then from the time of your ovulation. I think that's just smart, girl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's sufficient. I mean, and you know, I know I it works. You're, you're safe. And especially when you keep in the refrigerator, you're not in danger of significantly oxidizing those. And so I think that yeah. I think a smart woman who's being efficient on Sunday, she grinds them up and has them ready for the week. There you go. There you go. And you know, and you can smell it. So I mean, it smells so different than the stuff that you buy oh, which is like furniture, you know, yeah, it smells <laughs> rancid. It smells like fat gone bad. Yeah. Like oils are just, just smell awful. You're right. Yeah. Or, you know, the best case scenario just smells of nothing. Right. And there's mm -hmm. really, you, you want it to have that strong, it's hard to describe the smell or fragrance, but you know what I mean when you have it. So just get a new coffee grinder. Don't use your regular coffee grinder. You, you grind coffee and just dedicate one to seeds and spices and just do that. And then in the, from the time of ovulation, so about halfway through your cycle over to your first day of period, you want to basically then switch over to sesame seeds and sunflower seeds, one tablespoon each ground, freshly ground, use the same way. And the reason why we do that is because they're high in zinc, vitamin A and vitamin E, all of them are food for progesterone production, basically. And you know, Marisa, I will be honest with you, the first time I heard about this method, I was like, what? <laughs> like this naturopath told me about this. And she says, have you tried that with your patient? And I was, you know, I was in private practice back then too. And, and I'm like, what? This is just so lame. And she said, no, just, just try it. So I started trying with a few people and oh my God, it made a huge difference. I mean, for anyone from perimenopause, just things coming down. The fact of the matter is that you will lose your period. We all will lose our periods. We should be losing our periods at one point. It just, what seed rotation helps, for example, women in perimenopause is this takes the crazy out of it. You know, so things are beginning to change yes but slowly and progressively and not like one month you have no period another month it's a river and then for three months nothing and then it you know it's just regulating that so for example like I'm getting into perimenopause myself now right and I can see my cycles are shorter my days are shorter so instead of having the full five days I'm down to like two days of having bleeding but the seed rotation just really helps a lot to just normalize things women with menopause for example is hot flashes something that your audience often reports back to you? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, hot flashes, it's just like one of those moments when you find yourself being just out of nowhere, it comes, right? And you're, it's an embarrassing and it's shocking. And then night sweats is another one, especially if you have a new partner, you wake up and you are just like in the river. Believe it or not, sea rotation and just rebalancing that estrogen progesterone balance and giving you really good also bowel movement because of all the fiber you're adding in. I have seen so many women improving on this, that simple method. I just cannot tell you. And that's the reason why I'm so passionate about it. Like I'm a total believer now because just because I see what it does to women. I have too. I've recommended seed rotation to a lot of women, especially actually in perimenopause and menopause. And the question always is, well, I'm not cycling anymore. I'm almost not cycling anymore. Will this still work? And I said, absolutely. We still have estrogen and progesterone in the body. And if there is an imbalance, for a lot of women going into perimenopause and menopause, I find there is still a lot of estrogen dominance that's going on. And this has been huge for them. And it's such an easy thing to bring in, especially women who are okay with making smoothies and you're literally just adding it in the morning. You don't yeah. have to think about it. It's just a part of the stuff you add to your blender. So it totally. makes it really easy. Yeah. And you hit on a really important point here as well. And that is women whose estrogen levels are beginning to drop. So like perimenopause, you're beginning to drop, right? Both progesterone and estrogen. And so is, and obviously menopause is super low. So 
Here's an interesting thing. We are talking about estrogen dominance, which will imply again that there's too much of estrogen. Can you be estrogen dominant yet be low on estrogen? And the answer is absolutely yes. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why, if you think about it, like why do women in their 50s are much more prone to having breast cancer, which is an estrogenic cancer, even though they are low on estrogen, right? Mm -hmm. And so this is a really important point. So thank you for bringing this up because this creates a lot of confusion. I have a quiz on my website and people go, this quiz sucks. <laughs> I'm, it's showing I have high and low estrogen at the same time. That's impossible. Well, it actually is. It's just now we, we added in the answer is just to explain why that happens. And the reason why that can happen is because overall you can have low estrogens, right, all throughout. But it's that, again, is the metabolites, the way these metabolites get broken down. So even though you're low, the way you're breaking things down in your liver can make a huge difference and you have too many of those antagonistic ones and that's what's causing for example thyroid nodules or you know the breast cancer growth that we talked about so completely possible and again this is why i love flaxseed is because it helps both bringing the estrogen in and breaking it down properly in a good way well i'm so glad we touched upon this and i really want to talk really quickly just about overall what people are going to experience or what the benefits are of your book because you know what i I'm so excited about your book, mainly because you have cooked for me and I know how good of a cook you are, girl. And so tell us a little bit about the book. Not only are they going to learn powerful habits like this, but what else do you have in store? Like what excites you most about the book coming out? So, you know, I, how I started writing the book is I pulled out 20 superfoods and then 20 super herb spices and medicinal mushrooms, right? And I, and I created the recipes around those. And some, yes, there is a couple of exotic foods, you know, that might, you might need to order online, but 90% of the recipes are based off highly medicinal foods. So we, you know, we talked about flexi, right? There's just one food we touched on. Imagine there's 20 others in a store to learn about. Most of them easily available. Things like I'm super passionate about, for example, broccoli sprouts, just incredible food that shows that they are as effective as tamoxifen, for example, in blocking estrogen and doing all the damage that can lead eventually to breast cancer. So that's the foundation of the book is the 20 superfoods, 20 year super herbs, well, very well researched. And then the recipes are built on that. I wrote the book for women with thyroid and Hashimoto's disease. And by the way, any woman with autoimmunity will benefit from, from that book and from the protocol. For, of course, estrogen dominance, adrenal exhaustion, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then PCOS. What's yeah, that? PCOS. I was just PCOS. saying, that's me. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, that's me when I don't behave. I, I right? would. I, exactly. I mean, the thing is also we have to tell people that although you and I have done and you have done an amazing work at healing, we can easily go back in that bad direction by not taking care of our bodies and not eating the right foods, not supporting our gut health, which is exactly why this book is so important. Yeah, thank you. And the last one just to mention is menopause. So it's not just a whole bunch of recipes. So there are 127 beautifully photographed recipes. Most of them are super simple. I think they're quite tasty. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> but, you know, beyond that, it's, it's really not just a cookbook. It's a health book and a cookbook in one. And the reason why I say that is because the first 120 pages really cover the context. Marisa, I, I see my readers, and I, I think your readers as well, you know, it's intelligent women who just want to know more mm -hmm. and not just throwing a whole bunch of recipes with them without saying why that's important. Like, let me give you an example. Broccoli sprouts aren't particularly the most delicious thing. I mean, they taste kind of like grass, right? But if I tell you what's so amazing about broccoli sprouts, 
and how they can literally shrink your breast cancer. So remove your fibroids or whatever, right? Giving you the sense of context and empowerment with that kind of education, I feel that's when women really will dive into this going like, I'm committed. I'm committed to getting off gluten. I'm committed to getting off dairy. I'm committed to adding all these medicinal mushrooms, right? And all the flaxseed and all that good stuff. So part of the book, recipes i also have meal plans two-week meal plans for two people for every one of these hormonal imbalances as well as protocols protocols are like a done for you cheat sheet that you can print out when you get the book you get online access to the guys so you can print them out easily put it in the fridge and let it sink in like for example when you have let's just say thyroid and hashimoto's disease right what are the things you can add to your diet right away what are the things you're going to remove and it's just like, this is years and years. This is like probably seven years of my work put into like this one page so that you don't have to do the work because it worked for me. It worked for thousands of other women. So super passionate about the book. I mean, I will have to tell you, and you've done books before, so you know that what's that like. It's two years of incredible hard work, but I feel like it's really going to change thousands of women's lives. It absolutely is. And it's important that people know... <laughs> how we're able to keep hormone balance while we're writing a book and doing all the things that need to get done. I mean, that in itself is this victory. But there's so many, think about all the research. I mean, I was with you when you were meeting with publishers. Literally, we were having lunch that day and I'm just so grateful and so blessed. You know, it's a lot to just put yourself on paper like that and to do all that research. And there will be thousands and thousands of women who are going to benefit from this. And that correlation between food being medicine and how it heals our hormones. I mean, we're talking about women. There is not a woman I know who isn't dealing with hormones to one degree or another. Hallelujah. Yeah, totally. Amen. Yeah. And so I'm excited. Now I have one more question for you before I just want to remind people about your freebie, but one more question and, and here it is. What is the one habit, one daily thing that you do every day, health habit or natural solution that you use that moves the needle for your health and well-being, Magdalena? What are you doing on a daily basis? Yeah, you know, I, I'll be very practical. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you straight up what it is. You know, for some people it's meditation or this and that, whatever. But, you know, for me is having a really good breakfast. Part of my book is based on the idea of a three-legged stool. You want to sit comfortably on a three-legged stool. Your digestion, liver, and sugar balance has to be in place. And I have a tendency towards hypoglycemia. So doing things like a super sweet smoothie first thing in the morning is going to send me through a mm. hypoglycemic disaster, mm-hmm. uh, shakiness and dizziness and just being in a bad mood and tired and all that. And so one of the things I do is I make sure that I have what I call a PFF kind of breakfast, protein, fat, and fiber rich breakfast, which my book is full of these kind of recipes. And that sustains me easily till lunch. And I feel grounded. I don't have any food cravings, sugar cravings, coffee cravings, just a wonderful start of the day. And it really starts with a breakfast, not just for me, And I've discovered that this is generally for most women because most women, unfortunately, eat desserts for breakfast. Mm -mm -mm. I agree. I love savory breakfast and you and I are on the same page. I remember one time we were at a hotel, you had made savory breakfast for all kinds of people and it was one of the best breakfasts I've ever had. And I know that that Are you serious? So this was like in a hotel room without a kitchen. It was, girl, you are, I just have to just tell everybody how amazing of a woman you are. I was incredible. Okay. Yeah. I know that you, we spent a little bit of time on seed cycling, but it's so important for in order to see it on paper, you know, I I don't think people were able to write fast enough. So you're going to want to grab 
Magdalena's freebie. And Magdalena, real quick, it's going to be everything on how to implement seed cycling to balance their estrogen and progesterone levels. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. And this is for anyone who's still cycling. You're going through perimenopause, menopause. Also learn how to sync it with a moon, especially if you're menopausal. Like that's another fun thing to do is cycle just to go through Uh, support your hormones through the the moon that's another really cool thing to add on that's in the guide oh i love it i'm so glad you added that in there as well and really quickly tell us the name of the book as well cooking for hormone balance i love it yes cooking for hormone balance you can grab it at amazon or any bookstore but also make sure you grab this link make sure you grab the freebie and you're going to find that in the show notes i'll have all of those details in just a moment but they're going to be in the show notes and you're not going to want to miss grabbing this Magdalena, honey, thank you so much for coming on. I, one, I love you in general as a woman, as a warrior, but also I love that you are serving us at this capacity. So many women, they have this feeling that food can really help balance their hormones, but it just hasn't been as comprehensive as you have put together in this book. Thank you. I, I really hope it's going to help as many women as I hope it would. And I'm so grateful for being here with you today and just talking. And I can't wait to meet up again. Oh, me too. All right, honey, have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye. 